I'm thankful and reminded as we sing this song this morning that our hope is that every single one of you would discover that hope has a name and his name is Jesus. Our, our heart and our prayer this morning is that no one would walk out of this room hopeless. That every single one who walked in this morning will leave with the promises of God upon their heart, upon their life, upon their mind. That's our, our heart and our prayer this morning is that you would leave with hope. We're in the, the middle of a series right now called Immeasurably More, and we're talking about God doing immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. And if you're here, there's probably been a time in your life where you've needed God to come through, where you've needed God to show up, where you needed God to act on your behalf. You needed God to show up and speak in a significant and real way. You needed God to give wisdom. You needed God to give answers. You needed God to give hope. And I want you to know this morning that God is faithful to do that. My job this morning is to point you back to the truths in Scripture and show you that God is trustworthy and that there is hope to be found in Jesus. And we're going to do that today from the story of Abraham and Isaac found in Genesis chapter 22. So if you have your Bible, you can turn over there with me to Genesis chapter 22. And I'm going to give us a little bit of backstory as we begin this morning. But I can remember a time where God asked me to make a sacrifice. Has is there any, any time in your life God ever asked you to make a sacrifice? God ever asked you to do something? God asked you to step out in obedience? Anybody? Okay. All right. And it's scary, right? It's, it's fearful. And, and a lot of times we're weighing out the consequences of what happens if I misheard God? What happens if, if God doesn't come through? And I remember for me, that was in August of 2013. In August of 2013, after six years of praying, seeking, and dialoguing, we believed it was time for us to step out from our home in Texas and follow God's call on our life to plant a church. And it, it was not only um, did we discover that it was in that time that God was really speaking and giving clarity to that in our life, but we felt to delay any longer would be disobedient, and we would be choosing comfort and convenience over the call of God on our life. I remember I was at a conference that summer, and I heard the story of some missionaries who went off to a foreign land in a place where the gospel was not known, and them discussing and describing the impact that it was going to have on their family, and the impact that it was going to have on their lives, and it was just in that moment that we felt compelled and called and believed that to delay any longer would be disobedient, and we said, we must go. And so, we began to set things in order, and we began to put things in place. And in July of 2014, my family moved here to Salt Lake City. And at the time, it was us and two other people, and that was it. We didn't know a single other person in the city. 
but we believed that we were following God's call in our life. Now, when I think about that, I look back, what did God promise me? God never promised me that we would have a large growing church. God never promised me that our our time in Utah would be trouble-free and without any hardships. God never promised me that relationships would be easy and that friendships would come naturally. God never promised me that our kids would flourish in this environment. God never promised me that my education and training would be sufficient for the task at hand. God never promised me prosperity, health, and wealth. But one thing God promised, and it's the one thing that God promises all of us, He will be with me. God promised He will be with me. God promised in stepping out and going to Utah that we would not be going alone, that He would be with us. I remember being a student pastor in Texas, and upon my first day on the job there, the mantle of leadership was being handed down from the previous student pastor to myself, and and there was a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety, and I think a lot of times when we step into things that are a little bit over our head, we wonder, how in the world am I going to do this? And one of the things that my mentor really told me is, you know what, I don't necessarily know exactly what I need to teach every single week. I don't necessarily know what it looks like to lead students week in and week out, but I know how to walk with the Lord, and the Lord will be faithful to walk with me. And that really became a message to us as we packed up and we moved to Salt Lake City. I didn't really know how to plant a church. I didn't really know how to be a pastor of a congregation. I didn't really know what it looks like to lead a congregation. I didn't know what it really looks like to lead a team of elders. I didn't know what it looks like to to move my family and to, to be the leader of the home in that type of environment. But what I did know is I knew how to walk with the Lord, and I knew that the Lord would be with me. And that was the only thing he promised. And what I want you to hear today is that that promise is sufficient to lead us into every single opportunity that God may call us. If all we have in life is God is faithful and God is with me, then we have enough. And I'm sure that there are people in the room who want more. And the truth is, I wanted more when I came to Salt Lake City. I wanted our church to flourish. I wanted to be able to lead and teach effectively. I wanted to be able to shepherd my family. But those are benefits and byproducts of trusting that God is faithful and God is with me. Abraham was a man who believed God to be faithful and God is with me. And as much as I want to show that Abraham trusted in the faithfulness of God, this story or message or what I'm about to share with you is not primarily about Abraham as much as it is about God and God's faithfulness. If you leave here today going, 
I'm going to be strong and faithful like Abraham, you miss the point of the story. The point of the story today is God is faithful no matter what the circumstances. And so, I'm going to start us back a little bit in Genesis chapter 12, and we're going to kind of lead up to Genesis chapter 2. So, we got a little bit of a backstory here. So, if you flip back in your Bible, Genesis chapter 12, we see this man named Abram, and Abram's going to become Abraham. And we see that there's this promise, and I want you to catch this because the promises that God gives to Abram are contingent. They're contingent upon his obedience. Check this out in verse 1 through 4. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, in all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And catch this. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. And then it says how old he was. Abram was 75 years old. 75. There's this promise. The promise was, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your nation great. If what? If you'll go to the land in which I'll show you. Can you imagine the conversation when he got back home to Sarah? Hey, so let's pack up the house. Where are we going? I don't know. When are we going? I, he said he would show us. Okay, where are we going? I, I don't know. He, he wants us to, it's a picture of what it looks like to walk with the Lord. He doesn't have this this full plan laid out, this 20-year plan, not to say that we shouldn't have 20-year plans but to hold them loosely. But God has given him just enough for tomorrow. Follow me. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. In Genesis chapter 15, we pick up with more of the story. It says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield, and your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the house and my house is Eliezer of D Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And here's what it says, And behold, the word of the Lord came to them, This man shall not be your heir. And he brought him outside, and he said, Look towards the heaven and number the stars if you're able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Now, this is a, another moment of faith. This is a part of Abraham's faith story. We see this picture of, of God saying, I'm going to multiply. And, and, and I want you to remember, what is key? The key is, what is the promise? The promise is the nations will be great. And we may say that he promised him a child. And the, the promise is of the nations being great. The promise is of future generations to come. And the means by which he does it is through a son. Now, what I'm going to get to here in just a second is it's easy 
to celebrate and worship the means and not actually the promise. I'll unfold that here in just a few minutes. So we see in Genesis chapter 15 that we see the story that Abraham's generation after generation after generation, and if you read Matthew chapter 1 verse 1, we see that this promise comes true. It says in Matthew chapter 1 in the New Testament, it says, the book of genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And if you want to read for 14 more verses, you're going to see household after household after household after generation after generation, God has fulfilled this promise. God has been faithful to do what He said He would do in Genesis chapter 12, and Matthew chapter 1 tells us it's so. He has preserved hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years. His hand has been faithful over time, over and over and over again. In Genesis chapter 21, we we pick up on the story where it says, the Lord visited Sarah as He said, and this is Abraham's wife, and the Lord did to Sarah as He promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age. How old was he? In verse 5, it says he was 100 years old. So from 75 to 100, he lived with this promise. How many of us are like, God, I've been waiting on you. Some of you aren't even 25 years old right? And, and we're like, we want an answer today. We want God to show up right now here, and, and I'm with you. I totally understand that and get that. But why? Why does God make Abraham wait 25 years? Could it be that God wasn't just trying to give him something, but God was trying to do something in him. I think a lot of times when we're waiting on God, when we're waiting on God to fulfill his promises, it's not that God is just wanting to give us something, and he's a good dad and a good father who loves to bless us. But more importantly than just wanting to give you something, God wants to do something in you. It may take 25 years for God to fulfill something, but we see God's promise in this. In chapter 21, in chapter uh, 18, if we jump back, I think a lot of us in waiting go where Abraham and Sarah were at in Genesis chapter 18. And I think there's some of you, if you're honest with yourself this morning, you're going to have the same response to God as Sarah does in Genesis chapter 18. What's going on here? Well, it says in verse 9, they said to him, Abraham, where is Sarah your wife? And he said, she's in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. 
and Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So what did Sarah do? Verse 12, so Sarah laughed to herself, saying, after I'm worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Let me ask you, what are you walking in the door with this morning? That if you were honest, if you were to just sit down across the table from me, that there is something in your life that you are currently believing is too hard for the Lord. Now, we wrestle with this. In fact, our elders sat around a table this last Monday night, and we asked, what what does it look like to pray big, bold prayers and ask big things of God? And God doesn't answer us. What does it look like for us to walk in this room on a Sunday morning and pray over a couple who longs to have a child? And we pray and we ask and we beg of God to create a child in the womb of this woman. And and in many ways, I think we're fearful. In some ways, maybe we're not laughing, but like in the uncomfortableness of it, we're kind of laughing. We're like, "Uh, you know, I don't really know what to do with it. It's awkward. I feel like I'm, I'm putting God on display. What if God doesn't come through? What if God doesn't answer? Did I fail God by praying? Maybe some of you have dealt with a debilitating pain for years, and you walk in here today and you're experiencing that pain, and you really doubt if God could ever heal you from that. Maybe you're here, and there's a family member or a loved one that you long to know the goodness of Jesus. And you doubt whether or not they can truly be saved. Here's where I want us to come in this story. And I think it's important for us to kind of catch it in process. Because some of us are walking in the room today just like Sarah. And maybe we're not laughing, but we're mourning. Maybe we're broken. Maybe we're disheartened. Maybe we're disappointed. Maybe we're questioning even the goodness of God. And what I want you to hear this morning is anything too hard for God. It's a rhetorical question, but the answer is no.
Nothing's too hard for God. Nothing's impossible for our God. And we're going to see the evidence of that as Abraham walks out this story with Isaac. Because it looks like this story is a dead end. It looks like this story is going to end abruptly with sadness, loss, and disappointment. As I shared this story with my kids this weekend, they're almost going, why? Why would God ask you to do that? Why would God cause this? And it's all to lead us up to the point to know the answer to the question, is anything too hard for God? No. No. So we can trust in the promises of God? Absolutely. We can trust in the faithfulness of God? Absolutely. If God said it, we can believe it. How do we know? Genesis chapter 22. Check this out. After these things, God tested Abraham. There's a test. There's a test. In some ways, we want to test God, but in some ways, God is testing us. We're going to talk about this test. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here am I. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, your son whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I shall tell you. This is unfathomable. This is a crazy request. The son in which I just gave you, the son that, that, that we're going to fulfill the promise with. I, I want you to take that son up on the mountain and sacrifice him. So Abraham, verse 3, rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of the young men with him and his son Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering, and he and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to the young man, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, you can imagine the questions in his son. My father, he said, here am I, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order to bound Isaac, his son, and laid on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. 
And he said, here am I. He said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. This is a test. All of us are going to face tests in life. We're all going to face challenges in life. This test was given by God to prove what is in Abraham, to prove if, of the character, the value of something, to, to see if, if there was love for the Father in Abraham, to see if he was going to be obedient to the call of his life. God is inviting Abraham to demonstrate his love and obedience to the Father. Now, here's what I want you to hear. It was never God's intention that he would sacrifice the son. We know that, and we know this piece of the story, but Abraham didn't know that. Abraham had no idea how this was going to be answered, but he had faith. He believed. In Hebrews chapter 11, it tells us Abraham's counted in the, the, the hall of faith. And it says that he believed, even in the midst of that, that even if he did have to sacrifice his son, that God could raise him from the dead. He believed that God was going to make a way. Why? Because he believed in the promises of God. And it was through Isaac that the promise of generation after generation after generation was going to be fulfilled. Here's a point that maybe is, is worth noting. Anything God has given you, you can trust God with it. Anything God has given you, and let me just help you out. What have you been given that wasn't yours? Everything. Everything. The friendships, the relationships, the church, the financial resources, your wisdom, your intellect, your job, your career, your health, your children, your spouse, your spouse, every single thing that you've been given, that you have, you've received, you've been given, and everything that you've been given, you can trust God with. This is Abraham going and trusting and believing in the promises of God and going, I don't know how God gets glory out of this. I don't know how God fulfills his promises out of this, but I'm going to trust him. Let me ask you, what's the one thing in life that you treasure and trust in the most? What's the one thing in life that you say it's make, it makes life worth living? What is it if you lost it? You would be just incredibly hopeless. To Abraham, that was his son. But I want you to see that not only is he just giving up his son, in many ways, this is him sacrificing the fulfillment of all the promises. One commentator said it like this, and quite honestly, this is hard for me to even wrap my mind around. I want to read this. It says, here Abraham is asked to sacrifice the promises. 
This is the ultimate test of faith and obedience. The very thing God promised you and you now have received, it goes to show the level of obedience God calls for. but ultimately the ultimate promise that will be fulfilled in the life to come. Every other sacrifice that I just pointed out, the picking up from their homeland and going to a foreign country, the picking up and following him, and every single one of those had a promise attached to it. Do this, and I will do this. This is the one sacrifice that there was no promise tied to it. There was nothing in this story that says, if you go and sacrifice Isaac, I will do this for you. And it begs the question, how much of what we do is because we believe that God will do something for us? How much of, of our obedience in life is actually out to try and manipulate God to do something for us? What does it look like just to be obedient to God just because He calls us to be obedient and nothing else? One commentator put it this way, would you follow God if He never promised eternity? And that's the question I actually wrestled with all week. If eternity wasn't an option, if eternity wasn't on the table, is it worth knowing and walking and following Jesus in the day-to-day, knowing that there would not be any future? Because that is actually what Abraham was called to lay down. All of the future promises, he was called to be willing to sacrifice that to be obedient to God. And so he says, go, and Abraham goes. Would you be obedient to God without any of the benefits or privileges of what walking in obedience creates? Would you give your life to follow God if eternity was out of the question? Is your faith and obedience motivated by what you receive from God? Or is your faith and and obedience motivated by your love for God? It's not a test to see what we love more. It's a test to see why we actually love God in the first place. Do we love God for God? Or do we love God for His gifts? And I think that's something that we really have to wrestle with. I want you to see, though, that God doesn't leave him. That God does immeasurably more in the midst of this situation. 
and that God has provided gifts. And for those of us who have professed faith in Jesus, we know that eternity is sure. We know that in everything, in all of our life, that God is going to return hundredfold everything that we've sacrificed in this lifetime. We have so many promises. But I want you to see God's gift in this passage. It says in verse 13, And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, The Lord Will Provide. As it said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. One of the things we see in this story is that God is the provider. God comes in the midst of that moment, in the midst of his need, and shows up in an incredible way to fulfill his promises. One of the things that we look at this and we go, we read this story, and we go, what dad does this? What father takes his son and goes and puts him on an altar? Who does this? God does. In fact, one of the things that we see in all of this story, the word Moriah, Mount Moriah, where they are the setting of this means foreseen by God. This is a, a moment in time that's meant to paint a picture of something in the future. In fact, scholars say that the very place that Abraham took Isaac up was the same place of Golgotha, where a son would be sacrificed. In the same way that Isaac would take the wood upon his back for the sacrifice and carry it up. And you can imagine if, if he's strong enough to carry the wood, then he's probably strong enough to fight his dad. And so we see the obedience even in Isaac to willingly put his life on the altar. And we know that one day that there's going to be a perfect lamb we read about it in the gospel accounts that a perfect lamb would also carry the wood, carry the wood of the cross up to the place of his sacrifice. That Jesus would go. That he wouldn't be caught in the thorns, but he would wear a crown of thorns. That he would be pierced and nailed to the cross and put on public display. God would not withhold his son in the same way that Abraham would not withhold his son. 
But you and I, we were the ones to be sacrificed. We were the ones who deserved to lay our lives down. And Jesus came to give his life for you and I. J.I. Packer says this, Still he seeks the fellowship of his people, talking about God. And God sends them both sorrows and joys in order to detach their love from other things and attach it to himself. That's what God is in the business of doing. God is in the business of sending both sorrows and joys into your life. Test. To detach your life from their grip. To detach your life from other things and attach it to himself. The very promise of God, as I mentioned when we first started this series, was God wants you to know that he'll be with you. And it's through his sacrifice on the cross that he will be with you. The immeasurably more that God wants to give you is not always the promise of a child or health or relationships or careers or financial means. The immeasurably more that God wants to give each of us is himself. And the way he does it is through sacrifice. He lays down his life for you. He has not withheld his life from you so that you can come to him. That's his desire. That's his heart. That's his gift for each of us today. And that's the vision we need of a Lord of a God who is faithful to fulfill his promises. We don't have to look, although many of us can, at the past five years of our life and seeing God's faithfulness. I'm sure many of us can testify and tell stories of that. And we've asked you to, to bring those stories and share those stories so that we can encourage one another in our faith and bolster our faith and, and, and be able to be a catalyst for us to share that faith story with each other. But we can go back and look at the promises that God has made to Abraham and to Sarah and to see that if God said it, it will be so. And that God is faithful to fulfill all of his promises. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 13 says this, and we know the other side of the story. Hebrews 11, Abraham included, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised. Wait a second. Abraham received a son. That wasn't the fullness of the promise. The fullness of the promise is all the things to come in Jesus. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar. We on this side of Jesus know that God is faithful to keep his promises.
And we know that He loves us because He's not withheld His Son from us. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You for this reminder, this truth, this picture of Your faithfulness in Scripture that shows that You're faithful to keep Your Word. Lord, I can tell You countless times where I have made promises that I've not been capable of fulfilling. But Lord, You are capable. You are able. You have the power to fulfill every promise in Scripture You have ever spoke. And we can take You at Your word. Lord, I pray for those who are here this morning that they would leave with hope-filled eyes, that they would search your scriptures diligently to know what your promises are. And Lord, may we see the one true promise that you'll never leave us nor forsake us, that you'll never turn your back on us, that no one could ever snatch us from your hand. Lord, we are secure in that. So Lord, help us to believe that promise this morning. Help us to trust in that promise this morning. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.